Hey y'all, it's Rachel from Smarter Teaching, here to share a latte and give you all the tools you'll need to work smarter, not harder, in your classroom. Hey guys, I'm back for another third Thursday. I cannot believe it's already February and that February is basically already over. Uh, I missed our January episode because a friend was visiting, but I have had a strong start to 2020 um, between the end of December and today, literally today, well I guess last night technically. Uh, I've read six books, so we've got lots of reviews today and um, a pretty good mix of fiction and nonfiction. So stay tuned for these new summaries and reviews. So the first book that I read after um, my last podcast was The Innocent Man. So the full title is The Innocent Man, Murder, Injustice, and Injustice in a Small Town. Uh, And this is by John Grisham. And I actually didn't realize this until after I read it, but apparently it was his first work of nonfiction. Um, It was published in October of 2006, and it has 3.82 stars. Um, Again, I assume this is a book that probably your library has. Um, It's available. I read it from our library. I'm sure it's also available on Amazon and potentially even in bookstores, although it's kind of an older book so maybe it's not like openly available you maybe you would have to request it from the bookstore in any case um the summary the official publisher summary is this john grisham's first work of nonfiction, an exploration of small town injustice gone terribly awry is his most extraordinary legal thriller yet in the major league draft of 1971 the first player chosen from the state of oklahoma was ron williamson when he signed with the oakland days he said goodbye to his hometown of ada and left to pursue his dreams of big league glory six years later he was back his dreams broken by a bad arm and bad habits drinking drugs and women he began to show signs of mental illness unable to keep a job he moved in with his mother and slept 20 hours a day on her sofa in 1982 a 21-year-old cocktail waitress in ada named deborah sue carter was raped and murdered and for five years the police could not solve the crime for reasons that were never clear they suspected ron williamson and his friend dennis fritz the two were finally arrested in 1987 and charged with capital murder with no physical evidence the prosecution's case was built on junk science and the testimony of jailhouse snitches and convicts Dennis Fritz was found guilty and given a life sentence. Ron Williamson was sent to death row. If you believe that in America you are innocent until proven guilty, this book will shock you. If you believe in the death penalty, this book will disturb you. If you believe the criminal justice system is fair, this book will infuriate you. So I read this book, I want to say around New Year's, and you don't know guys I have what I call a borderline true crime problem I super love true crime I like to listen to podcasts if I'm looking for a book I will see what kind of non uh, true crime books are available um I don't know why I'm so into it but I I 150% am so when I, I think um Maybe a bunch of people were watching the this book is also, as a side note, has been made into a Netflix documentary. I have not watched the Netflix documentary. I've only read this book. But I think that it was like I think I was hearing buzz about this book because it's, you know, 13 years old. Um, I think that I had read, been hearing like buzz about this book because of the documentary. So I went back and read the book. And I actually have to say it was 
really good. And honestly, at times you forget that it's a true story. Like just, it's so shocking and it's so infuriating that there are times where you're like, there is no way I felt this way when I was reading educated too. I was like, there is no possible way that this is a true, an account of true events. Like this, this literally could not happen. Um, but fake news, it did happen. It's not made up. (laughs) Um, I will tell you that the, like, um, the ending is good. Like all the ends are tied up. Um, but it's, it's kind of like a wild ride. Um, there's, was definitely a time where I was like, this guy is for sure going to be like executed for a crime. He didn't even flip and commit. Um, so it's clear. I mean, at least it was clear to me as a reader, like the entire time that he, uh, Ron Williamson, like didn't commit the crime. Like he's clearly like mentally ill. It's just like the whole book. If like, after he um, comes back from like kind of washing up in the major major league major leagues, it's clear from then on that he has at least like some level of mental illness, and just um, his family. He repeatedly seeks treatment, and I mean you can't like it's very difficult to commit adults, and so he will go in for treatment for two weeks. He'll show improvement, and then he'll just like in a in a huff like check himself out and so then obviously it like starts all over again so I mean you can you can feel the frustration of his family in this book like you can feel his frustration I mean it's a very if you are interested in true crime if you're interested in nonfiction, I mean if you're a fan of John Grisham like I would definitely recommend this book um I do think that there were times where it dragged a little but mostly I felt like this was in like this setup um in the time before he is back in Ada, kind of like in his earlier life. Um, but I mean, it's, it was definitely riveting. <laughs> it was a really good book. Um, the average is 3.28, I'm sorry, 3.82 stars on Goodreads, but I'm pretty sure I gave it four because I really, really liked it. And, um, it was just, like I said, it was just at times hard to believe that it was nonfiction also this month in well in january um the first book i read in 2020 was called blitzed drugs in the third reich by norman oler and to be totally honest i read this book because they talked about it in a armchair expert which is dax shepherd's podcasts uh i listened to it sporadically on and off like it's not a podcast i follow partially because it's long form interview so every episode is like two hours long this is a rabbit hole I didn't intend to go down anyway the bottom line is I read this book because it was um recommended every other book I had request uh I was trying to read from the library was still on the wait list for this book was immediately available so I'm like yeah sounds good um so the it was published in October 2016 and I will loop back to this when I review it but um the author of this book is German, and the book was originally written in German. Um, I read it in English, and um, the publisher summary this is the publisher summary. In this highly original book, a bestseller in Germany, Norman Oler investigates the murky, chaotic world of drug use in the Third Reich. There have been other books on Dr. Morrill's cocktail of treatments for Hitler and Goering's reliance on drugs, but Oler's book is the first to show how the entire Nazi regime was permeated with drugs, cocaine, heroin, morphine, and methamphetamines, the last of these crucial to troops' resilience and partly explaining German victory in 1940. 
Euler is explicit that drugs cannot explain Third Reich ideology, but their promiscuous use impaired and confused decision-making with drastic effects on Hitler and his entourage, who, as the war turned against Germany, took refuge in ever more poorly understood cocktails of stimulants. This chemical euphoria changes how we should think about the Nazi high command and its ability to understand the situation it found itself in by 1944 and 1945. As such, Blitz will force a wider reinterpretation of several key elements key events during the second world war i previously wrote a longer review of this book um, on my website and i'm going to try not to overlap here so um i think that this has an average of just under four stars although i would personally give it just um two and a half to three um as i said this book was originally written in german by a German author. Um, and so I, I don't know if, um, some of my beef with the book is, um, translation or if the book reads the same way in German as well. Um, I was a history major in college. Um, I, my undergraduate degree is in history. Um, and so I, like to read nonfiction. I like to read about history. Um, but Oler, the author of this book, is um, I. It wasn't in this summary, but I believe I read somewhere else while kind of researching this book that this was his first work of nonfiction. He is um, as an author, a novelist, and I think that he's potentially also maybe even written. Um, like a TV series or a movie or something like that. So he is um, obviously an established writer and author, but this is his first work of nonfiction. And I suppose I could summarize my review by basically saying, to me, it read like his first work of nonfiction. Um, I thought that the very the beginning of the book, where they um, talk about how in the post, like in the middle warriors like in between world war one and world war two there was just this rise of new science that was leading to um all of these synthetic drugs cocaine heroin morphine meth like all of these drugs were being created in the years between world war one and world war two and that they were being used really widely um and somewhat indiscriminately um he which i thought was really interesting i had no idea i assumed that all of these drugs were always known to be like super dangerous and have all of these negative side effects um so i thought that was really interesting and they go on to say um so his the publisher summary says that his goal the author's goal with this book is to force a wider reinterpretation of several key events during the second world war and I guess I buy that. I, I guess I buy that he he did kind of reevaluate some key events. For example, he talks about um, the very beginning of the war after the victory in um, Gdansk or Danzig, Poland, um, how like they were able to so quickly move from Poland like all the way to um, through France. Um, and they basically say that that like he basically says that the reason the German army was able to do that is because they were just constantly taking meth all the time. So soldiers would be able to stay up for like two days straight and they could make all of these advances through countries because they just had no um, like nobody needed to sleep. Nobody needed to really eat while they were high on drugs. 
Um, and so all of these things that like other armies were stopping for, I mean, they would just push through. Um, and then he kind of reevaluates like towards the, um, I think they talk about the invasion of Russia and how that was obviously misguided because they were also like totally high. And then, um, I sort of forget the third event that he talks about, but to me, as someone who enjoys reading nonfiction and specifically who enjoys, um, historical nonfiction, the overall, um, the overall book to me felt a little flat. I felt like he just kind of was like, Hey guys, all these Nazis were high all the time. The boss Nazis, the middle Nazis, and for a while, the, it gets lost in like this name soup. They're talking about so the um, they're talking about doctors who were into the drugs and thought that everyone should take them, and doctors who didn't think that people should take drugs. But this whole debate kind of doesn't really go anywhere because they ultimately just keep prescribing the drugs. So it was, I mean, to me, this point was a little lost. They just keep tossing people in, keep mentioning names, but no real. Nothing really comes to a head. Nothing comes to a point. Um, I just feel like, and then the book is um, something like 360 pages, but like the last 125 or so are all like notes and source material. Um, I think I almost wish that those, I mean, obviously you're not going to include your bibliography, but I mean, some of the, um, his notes and source material were like, notes in the back where there would be two more pages of detail and I think that I wish he had included those in the actual book instead of pulling them out to the back because to me the case felt thin I feel like he's trying to show that there was all of this drug use and have people rethink um, these key events from World War II but to me the book just read like his premise was hey, everybody, the Nazis did drugs. Like, we should think about that. I don't feel like, other than at the beginning, learning that um, learning that the there were all these new drugs produced between the two wars, that was new information to me. And then I guess I suppose, like, hearing, reading that um, Hitler was basically, like, a holy hot mess before, like, at the end of the war and, like, couldn't appear in public I, I suppose that was new information to me, but I just felt like the whole time he just was like, trust me, they were all on drugs all the time and it was a problem. I just, I felt like as a historian, I just wanted more. I wanted more um, information. I wanted more details like why, you know, it, why were they doing this? Why, how did it become so pervasive? Um, what were they hoping to escape or what were they hoping to accomplish by taking all of these drugs? Um I don't know. I just felt like as a historian, I had all of these questions that I, I do feel like could have been included in the book. And I do feel like the, um, the answers were available. And I'm just not sure if he didn't include them because um, like World War II and like Nazis can still be a sensitive topic in Germany. I don't know if he didn't include them because this was his first work of nonfiction and he's more accustomed and comfortable to writing as a novelist. And so like it didn't occur to him. Um, I don't know why these things didn't happen, but I, just as I was reading a, this book, I felt like 
I had questions that just were never answered and never even really hinted at. Um, I do think it's a good book. If you like nonfiction, I would suggest that you read it, but I wouldn't really, um, it's not a book that I think you're going to walk away. At least I I didn't feel like I walked away thinking like, wow, I have this new perspective or I have this new, all of these new facts or this really changed my line of thinking about something. I mean, I think that the outcomes I normally expect from nonfiction, definitely I didn't, um, this book didn't deliver. And like I said, I'm not sure if it's because this is this author's first um, attempt at nonfiction or if it's maybe like the sensitivity around like Nazi activities that still lingers here in Germany or if it's like some third thing. Maybe I'm just overly critical. Um, But like I said, the book is good and it's because um, the text of the book is only like 250 pages. It doesn't take a really long time to read. So um, it's something that you could pick up and read like on a plane ride even. Um, But I I would recommend it, especially if you're interested in nonfiction of World War II. It It was for sure an interesting book. It just, to me, felt flat. After Blitzed, uh, I moved on to Know My Name, which I had seen um, some people, actually other teachers, recommending on Instagram, um, or really just saying that they were reading it. And um, Know My Name is um, Chanel Miller's memoir. It was published in September 2019 and so far has 4.7 stars on um, Goodreads. So before I tell you anything else about this book, I'm just going to read the publisher summary from Goodreads. She was known to the world as Emily Doe when she stunned millions with a letter. Brock Turner had been sentenced to just six months in county jail after he was found sexually assaulting her on Stanford's campus. Her victim impact statement was posted on BuzzFeed, where it instantly went viral, viewed by 11 million people within four days. It was translated globally and read on the floor of Congress. It inspired changes in California law and the recall of the judge in the case. Thousands wrote to say that she had given them the courage to share their own experiences of assault for the first time. Now she reclaims her identity to tell her story of trauma, transcendence, and the power of words. It was the perfect case in many ways. There were eyewitnesses, Turner ran away, physical evidence was immediately secured. But her struggles with isolation and shame during the aftermath and the trial reveal the oppression victims face in even the best case scenarios. Her story illuminates a culture biased to protect perpetrators, indicts a criminal justice system designed to fail the most vulnerable, and ultimately shines with the courage required to move through suffering and live a full and beautiful life. Know My Name will forever transform the way we think about sexual assault, challenging our beliefs about what is acceptable and speaking truth to the tumultuous reality of healing. It also introduces readers to an extraordinary writer, one of those, one whose words have already changed our world. Entwining pain, resilience, and humor, this memoir will stand as a modern classic. So this is the summary. Like I said, it just came out in September 2019. So honestly, just like six months ago, and it has four points seven stars on Goodreads. Um, I read this book because I, well, I was super interested. I remember when all of this played out, when Brock Turner assaulted this girl whose identity was a secret. And um, I was at the time of the trial, I was still, I want to say maybe I was on maternity leave. I mean, I just remember, I, I know I wasn't working and I know that our kids were young, but I would just remember like reading about it like every week or so and 
I just remember when it came out that he, I mean, he had literally been caught assaulting her. Like two people biked by the assault as it was happening and knocked him off of her and tackled him to the ground until police arrived. There was no alternate version of events. He was 150% caught red-handed. And when I read that he was only sentenced to six months, I was like, what in the fresh fuck sorry guys but that is exactly how i felt apologies i was like how is this even possible that he was literally caught on top of this girl who was so so drunk and people are like six months and i also remember at the time that everybody was like poor him his swimming career is over he was supposed to be like this great he was on maybe i don't know maybe a scholarship maybe not but he was at stanford to swim and was either had either participated in London Olympic trials or wanted to participate in the next Olympic trials or something like he had Olympic aspirations and everyone was like well not everyone but people were like poor him he made one poor choice and now his whole life and his whole swimming career are over yada yada I know you're just listening to my voice so you can't hear my face but I just want you to know I cannot roll my eyes enough for that line of thinking So maybe if that's how you feel too, you should just like skip to the next review. But I just, I cannot. Sure, everybody makes one poor choice, but that's like, I mean, you have to as a human know that that's not right. Like you have to as a human know you can't do that to another person. And I have literally zero sympathy, empathy for him and like the outcomes of this like assault this trial whatever on his life maybe that's harsh but that's how I feel um this book was I mean I think that it would probably be very difficult to read if you yourself were also a victim of sexual violence or sexual assault um I have not been but I thought that it was a very powerful book because as I was reading it like I could feel how I mean I I felt like I was living this with her like I could feel like at the beginning when she wakes up and she's in the ER and she doesn't know why and nobody wants to tell her like I can feel her anxiety and confusion like I could feel like she like I all of the things that she talks about in this book like she writes about them so clearly that I could feel them too I will say as a reader, the one thing that drove me a little bit crazy is that there was throughout the whole book, there would be times where she would start like multiple sentences and not finish any of them. And I understand what, like the point of it. I understand why it happened, but as a reader, it was a little frustrating. Um, however, totally didn't interfere with my enjoyment of the book, just kind of low level bothered me while I was reading. But this book is very good. I definitely think that I would recommend it to, I, I mean, I would really recommend it to anybody, um, especially people who like to read memoirs, especially anyone who was also outraged that Brock Turner only got six months in jail and then only served three of them. What a load of crap. Um, this, so not only does she um, obviously like tell about her journey through the case um, and then the sentencing, of course, but then she also talks about um, afterwards, which was a very interesting, like 
the time obviously like she doesn't control the timing nobody controls the timing but it was just an interesting timing that like shortly after all of this played out also several months after that was um all of the stuff during the 2016 election where that um access hollywood or hollywood planet or whatever that video was that came out where trump was like i just like to grab women by the blah blah and like talked about how he felt like so great assaulting basically low level assaulting women um and she talks about like how people reacted to that kind of like illuminated further her understanding of how difficult it is to be like a sexual violence victim and then she went on further to um talk about things that she not small changes but um relatively simple changes that would help um victims of sexual assault but would also um help them recover and also help them come forward more often um and she also kind of calls out stanford she was like i grew up in palo alto question mark i grew up here um and i wasn't a student here but my assault happened on your campus and like you never did anything you never you know offered to pay my legal fees you never um you never took disciplinary action you never asked to see if I was okay um and so she kind of is like schools are in this unique position colleges are in this unique position where if people are accused and or found you know even if there's not enough evidence for someone to be taken to trial like schools can just remove students like they can just I suppose that technically that would be like expelling students but um She's saying that schools and universities should do be doing more to protect students, which I think is also true. But um, this book was definitely very good. Um, I cannot remember if I rated it four or five stars, um, but I really enjoyed it. I would definitely encourage anyone who likes memoir to read it, anyone who's interested in um, like the legal system, anyone who... I mean, I, I just think that anyone, I think that a lot of people would enjoy this book. Um, and it wasn't super long. Um, it can be like, it's not, <laughs> obviously it's not like a light and easy read. Like it's not a Jen Lancaster memoir where you're like laughing and chuckling along and you can read it really quickly. It does take a bit of time to get through, but I mean, it was definitely a good book. I would for sure recommend it to other readers. After all of those heavy nonfiction books, I needed something a little lighter. And um, I'd been, um, I want to say last fall, I read All the Pretty Girls by Big and Miranda. And also in another book group that I'm part of, people had been suggesting The Last House Guest. And that was finally available from the library for me. So the next book I read was The Last House Guest by Megan Miranda. It was published in June 2019, and it has 3.6 stars on Goodreads, and this is the publisher summary. Littleport, Maine is like two separate towns, a vacation paradise for wealthy holidaymakers and a simple harbor community for the residents who serve them. Friendships between locals and visitors are unheard of, but that's just what happened with Avery Greer and Sadie Lohman. 
Each summer for a decade, the girls are inseparable until Sadie is found dead. When the police rule the death a suicide, Avery can't help but feel there are those in the community, including a local detective and Sadie's brother Parker, who blame her. Someone knows more than they're saying, and Avery is intent on clearing her name before the facts get twisted against her. So like I just said, I read All the Pretty Girls, also by Megan Miranda, um, I want to say last summer or fall, and that was very gripping to me. And as I was reading The Last House Guest, I just kept waiting to be drawn into that same level, and I really never was. It wasn't a bad book. It was really just fine. I gave this three stars. It just felt like a very adequate book to me. It really didn't stand out in any way. It wasn't like I finished it and was like, well, what a waste of time. I just felt like I didn't necessarily, I just, like I said, I really kept waiting to be drawn in. I kept waiting to be gripped the same way I was with all the pretty girls. And that really just never happened. Um, And I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure why. I can't really put my finger on what was what it was that failed to draw me in but I just never could get invested in it to the same level that I was with her other book all the pretty girls which side note I would obviously highly recommend um the last house guest wasn't bad it's a crime slash thriller so if that's your genre I'm sure you would enjoy this book and even like I said I had read three nonfiction books in a row so I was ready for something else So when I read The Last House Guest, that was fine. I just needed a break. I needed some fiction. I needed something lighter. So it was serving the purpose. Um, It's a good book for vacation. It's a good book for a plane ride. It's a good book if you are, um, like I said, if you like a crime or a mystery, but um, it just didn't change my life it's not going to make me necessarily like I said I read this because I had enjoyed her book all the pretty girls and other people had been recommending this one but it just didn't really dazzle me so I think it's a fine book but for me it's just three stars it's not going to be something that I'm going to go out of my way to recommend but I'm also not going to tell people if they're planning to read it I'm not going to tell them to not do that I finished out January well February with two fiction stories um, that I both really enjoyed. The first one was The Huntress by Kate Quinn. This book was published in February 2019, so about a year ago, and its average rating is 4.3 stars on Goodreads. Um, Just before I read the publisher summary, she also wrote The Alice Network, which I read mm, maybe over the summer. Um, but that was a really good book. It was about um, a network of female spies in World War One, And um, this is the publisher summary for The Huntress. Bold and fearless, Nina Markova always dreamed of flying. When the Nazis attack the Soviet Union, she risks everything to join the legendary Night Witches, an all-female night bomber regiment wreaking havoc on the invading Germans. When she is stranded behind enemy lines, Nina becomes the prey of a lethal Nazi murderess known as the Huntress, and only Nina's bravery and cunning will keep her alive. Transformed by the horrors he witnessed from Omaha Beach to the Nuremberg Trials, British war correspondent Ian Graham has become a Nazi hunter, yet one target eludes him, a vicious predator known as the Huntress. To find her, the fierce, disciplined investigator joins forces with the only witness to escape the Huntress alive, the brazen cocksure Nina. But a shared secret could derail their mission unless Ian and Nina force themselves to confront it. 
Growing up in post-war Boston, 17-year-old Jordan McBride is determined to become a photographer. When her long-widowed father unexpectedly comes home with a new fiancé, Jordan is thrilled. But there is something disconcerting about the soft-spoken German widow. Certain that danger is lurking, Jordan begins to delve into her new stepmother's past, only to discover that there are mysteries buried deep in her family, secrets that may threaten all Jordan holds dear. In this immersive, heart-wrenching story, Kate Quinn illuminates the consequences of war on individual lives and the price we pay to seek justice and truth. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is that if I had read this publisher summary, it makes me 0% want to read the book. Um, it's accurate in the sense that it's like the three, the stories of these three characters, Nina, Ian, and Jordan. Um, although I almost feel... I guess we do hear a lot from Nina, so I don't know. I don't feel like they're all equal. I kind of feel like Jordan is the main character, um, but I read this book because – so I read The Alice Network, and there was an excerpt from The Huntress at the back of it. I also really enjoy World War II um, historical fiction, and so it was sort of up my alley. I didn't really read a lot about it other than that I knew that it was written by the same author as The Alice Network, and um, – that it was also about World War II. Um, so I sort of just requested it from the library when I was in a little lull and figured I would enjoy it just because I had enjoyed her other book. But I definitely think it was way better than this summary um, says. So basically the story is told in the present in post-war – well, so it, it happens – in post-war Boston and in post-war Vienna but then they kind of connect those two so then it's post-war Boston and then Nina's previous like relevant experience I guess is told is a series of not asides but like we hear it in a, a series um that's it's clear that it's, she's telling us like previous stories it's clear that we're reading about something that has happened in the past um so I thought that it was it was a very interesting book. Um, I really liked it. Um, you can obviously the pieces are connected sort of early on, um, but it it takes a while for them to all join together. Um, I didn't think that it was drawn out or anything. I really enjoyed this book. It was a pretty quick read. Um, and I will say I liked – it felt like there was, like, some nice tie-up at the end. I wish we had just a touch more, but, like, I always like a very explicit, optimistic outcome. <laughs> and I realize that's not really how authors are, like, all right – like, they're not always ending things by saying, like, and they lived happily ever after the end, which is not exactly what I want, but, like, kind of. Um, so, I, I like I said, I wanted just a touch more resolution, but – I feel like I always want just a touch more resolution and it was a good book. Um, I think that the characters were all very um, believable. Um, I think that I will say the one lingering question I had is really they never um, really satisfactorily to me at least um, resolve Ruth's backstory Ruth is the daughter that like the little girl in the story and they just never really 
like I said, for me, satisfactorily resolve her backstory. Like, where did she come from and how did she become part of this? And also, is she, like, a little crazy afterwards because of all the weird stuff that she had to deal with? Or does she, like, make it out okay? Um, These are the things that I like to know about characters I read about. (laughs) What happens to them in five years? Are they still happy? Did it go okay? I know that's like a weird level of resolution to want from your stories, but that's what I think about. I'm like, man, I wonder if five years down the road, she's still coping so well. (laughs) Um, But it was a really good book. I really liked it. Um, I do, I mean, I would definitely recommend it if you like historical fiction, specifically World War II, but I don't necessarily think that's necessary. I also liked how um, even though the stepmom turns out to be a total wackadoo, Um, I did appreciate that, like, for the time. So this book uh, takes place in, like, the early 50s, uh, 1950, and maybe even it extends a little beyond that. Um, But I did appreciate how um, Kate McQuinn, through characters, like, encourages her young female lead to, like, not be satisfied as being a housewife. I'm here for, like, that experience for younger girls who would read this book. Like, you don't have to just do the things that people expect you to do is really sort of the message of Jordan. Um, she's a photographer. Like she wants to grow up to be a photographer and her dad is like, you need to take over this family business and run this family business. And no, you do not need to go to college. You should just marry like this long-term boyfriend you have. And so, um, I really liked that ultimately like she doesn't do those things. Um, and she's able to kind of live the life that she wants. Um, I feel like that's a nice message for like younger girls to hear that you can be your own person. And I mean, maybe even like older people need to hear that message too. It's a good message for everybody. I'm not going to say just younger people. It's a good message for everybody. You can do the things you want to do. You don't have to do what other people think. And then the last book that I um, read this month that I literally finished yesterday <laughs> is Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Semple. It has 3.9 stars and was published in August 2002. Nope. Totally the wrong number. 2012. (laughs) Um, This book, honestly, I just picked up. I literally knew nothing about it, but had just... I feel like this is what I tell you guys all the time. I didn't know anything about it. I just saw that it was recommended a bunch. Um, And really, that's only gone bad for me that one time with all the ugly and wonderful things or all the ugly and beautiful things. I forget. Um, That was the only time that's gone badly for me. Where'd you go, Bernadette? I super enjoyed. Um, Here's the publisher summary. Bernadette Fox has vanished. When her daughter B claims a family trip to Antarctica as a reward for perfect grades, Bernadette, a fiercely intelligent shut-in, throws herself into preparations for the trip. But worn down by years of trying to live the Seattle life she never wanted, Ms. Fox is on the brink of a meltdown. And after a school fundraiser goes disastrously, disastrously awry at her hands, she disappears, leaving her family to pick up the pieces, which is exactly what B does, weaving together an elaborate web of emails, invoices, and school memos that reveals a secret past Bernadette has been hiding for decades. Where'd You Go, Bernadette is an ingenious and unabashedly entertaining novel about a family coming Coming to terms with who they are and the power of a daughter's love for her mother. So this has 3.9 stars on Goodreads, but I'm going to tell you guys, I would have given it, I mean, I did give it, mm, you can only rate on the whole star, but I would go four and a half. I really liked this book. Um, the whole idea of it, I think is a little interesting. So as the book says, um, it's basically like you're reading the whole book is like, 
emails, letters from one character to another. Um, there's very little like direct um, action that happens. I mean, um, we're reading about a lot of it, as I said, like through letters, through emails, um, through phone messages. It's super interesting. Um, I thought the book was very funny. You can, um, it's funny when they talk about like Bernadette's Bernadette's quirks. Like she talks about, um, one thing that she, I've been to Seattle once guys, but I was like 16. Um, but in the book they talk about like two or three different times in like, it feels disproportionate to me, tirade. They talk about, um, five-way intersections in Seattle. I don't know if this is a real problem in Seattle, but like it's it's funny to read these tirades and she um I forget there was something else that she was worked Bernadette is worked up about in the book, but it's so funny to read because I mean, these are tirades. Maybe I'm just like a weird quirky person, but like I could hear myself saying these things about like, or at least like giving like a similar tirade about other things. Like I, I, I mean, people who know me, I I think anyone would agree that I can, uh, have a tendency to like get hyped up, um, about small slash trivial details. Um, so I just, I mean, there were definitely pieces of Bernadette that I was like, come on lady, this is a little much, but like the five-way intersection and like some of the other like tiny, like quirky pieces of her, I was like, I get you girl. I hear you. Um, but I did, I really liked the book. I thought it was a really unique writing, like a a very unique way way to tell the story through like the correspondence of other characters. Um, and I will say I had 0% patience for Audrey until the end of the story. She really comes through. Um, but the book is really interesting. I really liked it and I would definitely, it is for sure like a very good vacation type book, but even if you just came off some heavy books and you're looking for something light, especially if like realistic fiction is your, your bag, like I for sure feel like a lot of different types of people would enjoy this book. I feel like people who have kids wouldn't like specifically moms and daughters, but really just moms with kids in general. Um, I feel like people who enjoy realistic fiction would like this. I feel like people who, um, I mean, like the mom is like a little bit quirky and the dad is this high powered executive. So I feel, I mean, it's the whole book is so interesting and funny Um, And it has such a unique writing style. The only thing I wish is that we had like five or ten more pages of resolution at the end. But like I said, guys, I always want five or ten more pages pages of resolution because I just really like to hear like – and then they were like she built the building and she came home and lived with the family and they were all happy and everybody like, you know, was – happy until they died or whatever. (laughs) I just like very clear and explicit resolutions, but I realize that not everyone is as concerned about things like that as I am. So, I mean, really in the end, no big deal, right? Um, I think that where you go, Bernadette, I also think that maybe question mark, it's a movie. Um, So, I mean, that's also something that you could check out if you like the book but listen guys always read the book first because the book is always better always read the book first it's always better um 
the those are all the books that I've read this month. Um, the next two books I have out from the library are The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls, which is um, I think a memoir, and then um, Silka's Journey by Heather Morris, the same author as the tattoo the tattooist of Auschwitz. Um, if you've read that book, Silka is a character in the story and this book kind of like pulls her, I mean, it doesn't pull her out of that book, but, um, it kind of focuses on her life. Um, I assume there is some overlap and then beyond after, um, the liberation of Auschwitz. So those two will be coming in March and then, um, hopefully some other good books too. Um, my reading goal this year is 30. So I'm right on track right now. Um, let me know what you guys are reading. Let me know how your reading goal is going. I love to talk about books. Seriously, guys. (laughs) Um, let me know what you're reading. Let me know if you have any recommendations. That's my favorite to get recommendations of books from like actual other live humans. Facebook is fine, but like real recommendations are the best. Okay, guys, keep reading. I'll see you in March. Hey, y'all, it's Rachel from Smarter Teaching, here to share a latte and give you all the tools you'll need to work smarter, not harder, in your classroom.